It is Locked On Jazz for the 5th of May. The Miami Dolphins have a plan. Is this our new world of what going to a game is going to be all about? Is it time to talk NBA draft names? And how will Europe's situation change the NBA next year? Plus, the greatest games of all time include the Jazz tying the NBA Finals at two games apiece. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Yesterday, I had the salted caramel chocolate protein bar from Built Bar. So check it all out. Use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right. Hope you're doing all right. A lot of news actually just keeps kind of coming out and coming out and coming out. We'll keep talking about it. Really interesting story. Uh, The Miami Dolphins CEO released kind of their version of what they believe the stadium could look like if they hosted fans in the coronavirus era and I got it as I as I said yesterday I kind of go between this like level of optimism and then oh my gosh it's so daunting and so incredible but I actually am moving I keep with my optimism and we'll see I actually think there's a chance as these models get thrown out there and as we learn more and more studies are done and more knowledge and more testing I actually think there's a chance we're going to see NBA fans in a stadium for maybe the conference finals and the finals. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, And you know what? The problem probably there is that you're dealing with L.A. You're dealing with major cities in all likelihood in the Western Conference, whereas like if the Eastern Conference and Toronto's a major city, if they were to make it. um, So that might be too much. But it's interesting. I get some optimism every time I hear one of these plans. Now they're not all great, right? This is a new world and a new reality. I was texting with a, like an emergency room doctor last night. who said like the difficult, and we were talking about our kids really, um, and how our kids need socialization and interaction. And, uh, you know, his, his thing is this, like his, his comment is like, we got years of this, right? Like, you know, if you believe the New York times article the other day about like how long it takes to get a vaccine done, like, that we, we could have years of this. So pretty fascinating to watch the kind of the ball start to roll and how we're going to do it. So the Miami Dolphins are talking about having 15,000 instead of 65,000 people in a, in a stadium. Different time slots for entry. So like if you're a Dodger fan and you're used to coming two hours late to games, like I don't know how that works. Like you actually now are going to have a time of entry. It's pretty interesting. I mean, these are, this is the new world we live in, this craziness and how we're going to figure out how this works. Row-by-row exit process, fans wearing masks, and then fans ordering concessions in their seats before picking them up. It's interesting when you're trying to reduce context. Are you better off having... Like, I almost wondered if we were going to have... Like, if you're in this section, you can order food in the first and the third. If you're in this section, you can order in the second and the fourth. I don't know. I mean, like, these are the crazy concepts that we have to start thinking about and like how do you do if you're the Miami Dolphins and you're doing 15,000 seats so 
you know, if that, if you're taking, and, and it's, it's all different numbers, right? But so what they're basically saying is instead of 65,000, they're going to have a 25% of their stadium at capacity. So if that would be, if that were for the Jazz, if you just take the same kind of note or an NBA arena, at, that would mean we're all at 5,000, like 20,000 would be at five, right? Like we can just do that math. It gets pretty fascinating on how you try to put this together because, well, what happens if a family of eight has tickets together? They don't need to be socially distanced. Another family of six doesn't need to be socially distanced, but a group of two is socially distanced differently. Do you like pre-establish that this is an eight pocket and this is a six pocket and this is a four pocket and this is a two pocket? Or do you literally pick up the phone and have a priority list of every single season ticket holder? So you're calling, if you're the Jazz, you're calling Ryan Smith of Qualtrics. I don't know if he's actually first. I just made this up, but you know, maybe it's Vivint first. Like I'm not like, and they have their bunker suite. So actually that kind of fits into their social distancing, but you know, whatever. So you're calling John Smith or, or you're calling, you know, Spence Eccles, or you're calling, I'm making up names and then using real ones. But like, so you're calling whoever it might be. Let's use great philosophers. So you're calling Adam Smith and John Locke and Renee Descartes. And uh, then you're going to call Salvador Dali and Claude Monet. And okay, so whatever. I don't want to like, I don't know how it works. Um, but like, how does it work? Like you call Claude Monet and say, okay, well, you're priority one. How many seats are in your family? And, uh, you know, we need you to make sure you're socially distanced. Okay, so you're you're six, and then we, okay, so then you call the next person, and 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 they're five, and so now you start building the arena. Like I don't have any idea how you do this. It's crazy. Um, and then it, but I do think what's interesting about it is a few thoughts. It'll make it more exclusive than ever to get to go to a game. Like if if you're actually one of the families that has access to one of the fifteen thousand Miami Dolphins seats, like what a big deal that is. Obviously, prices will then in probably increase on those. Uh, the other one that I do think is interesting is financially, I think this is a hit, but I think it's not a crazy hit in the sense that uh, I would guess that 80% of a stadium's revenue comes from 20% of the crowd. Now, what gets tricky is you bought lower bowl tickets and the lower bowl social distancing is set up, so now you're in the upper bowl. Like, you're just might, and so maybe you pass. Uh it's a, it's a fascinating concept. And then how do we do it, right? Like, so you have probably a set gate that you enter in, a set time that you enter in from that gate. Um, the, row, the, the seat exit is interesting. I hadn't thought about exiting, but you're right. You don't want to have these mass exits or mass process going on. Fans wearing masks is going to be a weird thing, but we're going to have to get used to that. I still think it's... I can't tell, by the way, in society right now, if when I'm wearing my mask, is that somebody looked... Are they looking at me funny for wearing a mask or am I just so self-conscious? I think, I think all of us feel that a little bit. We're going to have to probably get over that. I mean, this is just where we are. I think it's fascinating. Um, I think it's probably daunting. It's fascinating if you're sitting in our seats and we're talking about it. It's daunting if you're sitting in the Miami Dolphins seat and, and trying to figure this out. Um, and how do you do concessions? Like, is it better if you suddenly are delivering them all? So if you suddenly have instead if you suddenly if you're an NBA arena and you have 5000 seats filled and let's say the average group is 5 you have a thousand different groups in the building are you I don't know like are you better off trying to serve all of them with servers so they're never leaving their seat the other one is by the way that from a standpoint of like social distancing and contacts 
when we only have 5,000 people in the building, the concessions are not going to be overwhelmed. So you actually may be able to, some of these things. So my, my point of this is one, I think it's in, totally fascinating Two, I think it it's encouraging. Like these are the processes that we need to go through right now to figure out how we're going to get this back. And I actually begin to walk through these things and think a lot of them are going to work. Right. So I think, like, I think the bubble could work. Um, I don't know if I made sense of this with you yesterday. Somewhere along the way, I was talking about this and I tried to spit this out and I did it terribly. But if you think about like an, an NBA playoff series, so let's say the Jazz are playing the Thunder, like there's a joke in the NBA about like called the tube. And the tube is that like we get to the airport in Salt Lake City and we go out of the private airport and we walk into the tube and get on the plane and then we fly and then we get off the plane and onto a bus and the bus takes us to a hotel and then from the hotel we get back on the bus and the bus takes us underneath the arena we walk into the arena we practice and then we get back out onto the bus and the bus takes us back to the hotel and then we get back on the bus we go back to the arena then we go back to the bus and then we go to the airplane again we never do anything else that's actually not that unusual a life like if that's going to be our life that that's not that crazy we can we can all do that. You just cater the food and have the hotel cater the food. Like I, you know, our contacts are when we suddenly go out for dinner or do some of those things. Well, okay, you take that away. I actually don't think it's that crazy difficult for us to be able to go play playoff series or things on the road if you're limiting that act, that kind of stuff. I don't know. There's, we're going to figure it out. Like, that's my point. We're going to figure it out. It's, it's pretty fascinating. There's, there's more to it. It's, but we're, we're going to figure it out. And that, that, I think, is, you know, what gets really interesting. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is changing how we view and what we all know of a protein, healthy protein bar, because they taste great. And I think for so long, protein bars were things that if they got a little cold while skiing, you had to, like, break them. Protein bars were you needed a glass of water because they were gritty and grindy. That's not the case with Built Bar. Built Bar has created this great tasting, interesting texture, almost like a marshmallow uh, flavor to it. And then with creative, great flavors. I've had the mint chocolate cream. I had the caramel yesterday. You can go to BuiltBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box. The coolest thing is you can make your own box. So whether you want raspberry chocolate cream or orange cream, for me, I want the ones without nuts. And the really cool thing is Built Bar's facilities are done completely nut-free for those areas that are, for those bars that are nuts, you also can have, don't worry, they're not all only nuts. They have the uh, ones that are peanut butter and banana nut bread and toffee almond and peanut butter brownie and all those various things for you. Great macros as well. That's what they call the numbers on these. So 110 calories, 15 grams of protein and four grams of sugar. You start comparing those to the other top bars out there. That's about a third as amount of calories, about, a seventh as many carbs, about a seventh as many uh, sugar grams. So healthy, tastes great, and a great discount for you. BuiltBar.com slash uh, go to with a promo code locked on. You get $10 off. It's a Utah company. You can support them uh, and enjoy your Built Bar. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. I got to tell you what. I love supporting Murdoch because Blake Murdoch is just one of the best dudes. We played golf together this weekend. He was with my daughter. The guy could not have been more sincere, more engaging, more sweet to her. She was having a 
tough day with some new grips, and he was just the nicest guy ever. And that's the core of who Murdoch is and how they do things. Uh, the lineup of cars is unbelievable. I'm right driving the new Sonata, which if you're looking for a sedan, this is so cool. So you're driving the Sonata, and you turn on the turning signal, and you know if you're miles per hour circle and your RPM circle... Those actually turn into cameras while you're driving when you turn on your turning signal so you can see what is there. That's kind of awesome. Like, that makes things a lot safer and a lot better. Uh, In fact, it might even change the car we buy. We're about to buy one for that feature. Plus, you got the cruise control uh, that's set so that it feels the car in front of you and and gives you the right amount of space. It keeps you in your lanes, almost self-driving at this point. Amazing features, great value, and then also the Murdoch Sure program to make sure that you you can do all your shopping online. They'll bring the car to you. You can test drive it, and then uh, you can do the whole deal with limited contacts. Also, the whole uh, Murdoch's doing a great job of social distancing and sanitizing everything there. Plus... 0% 0% APR for 84 months on the Tucson and the Sonata and no payments for four months plus Hyundai Assurance. If you end up losing your job, Hyundai will make six payments for you. All pretty awesome uh, there at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street in Logan and in Linden. Email me first and we'll set up a VIP uh, meeting for you, dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, a few other interesting notes for you. Um, NFL's not going abroad. University of Akron eliminating a bunch of sports. This is going to start happening on the collegiate level and the Korean baseball uh, thing. Here's an interesting article by Sam Vecina in The uh, Athletic about the impact of this on the NBA's rosters next year. And he actually used BYU, former BYU star Elijah Bryant as one of his examples. So if you play in Europe and you're making a great living in Europe, one, do you want to leave and go to Europe? Two, do you even know European basketball is going to go off next year? And so all of a sudden, guys like Elijah Bryant, who maybe are, I don't know, like I don't want to undersell him, I don't want to oversell him, and I don't know his game very well, to be perfectly honest with you. But let's say Elijah Bryant, six, for those of you who don't know him, 6'5", 25-year-old now, I played at McAbee Tel Aviv last year, played at BYU. So let's say he's reached to a level now where he can comfortably be like a ninth man, 10th man, 11th man on a roster. Let's go with that. Maybe even just doesn't matter. Maybe it's 12th or 13th. Shot pretty well last year. I think he shot about 43% from three. So, or 42% from three in 27 games, averaged like eight points. Like, so he's George Niang. Let, let, let's go with that. He's George Niang. He's Royce O'Neal, something like that. That guy who used to be going to Europe and making more money, so maybe he's the 12th man, right? Is now likely to stay in America. And there's a ton of these guys in Europe that are American players that are now maybe not going to go to Europe. The impact of this is mammoth. One, there's probably another, I don't know, I'll have to really look into it, but I would guess 20 to 50, and I'll, I'll find out. I'll make some phone calls today to find out how many of those players that could suddenly make NBA rosters that, are in, that were playing in Europe. Frankly, there's probably some European players that might come over and even extend that number. So let me, I'll, do, I'll make some calls and, and get that for you. So now, draft picks are going to have a harder time making teams. Borderline guys who are kind of on the edge of holding on to two-way roster spots, second-round draft picks from last year, it's going to be even harder to hold their spot on the team. G League could become, if the G League's even playing, which I don't know if it will be, could be amazing. Um, G League, you know, these sports, that if they can't really have crowds and they 
don't have a TV contract, it's weird for them. Like, I don't think minor league baseball gets off this year. I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but this is a really interesting impact on the rosters in the NBA this year. Because if this is as many as 50, it's two roster spots a team. And now the draft changes. Do you suddenly take the 19-year-old who's in Europe because you can stash him for two years because you don't want to lose his rights? Is it even is a second-round draft pick less valuable this year because you're going to take that European player and your second-round draft pick has almost no chance to make your team? That's going to have an impact on the way we do the draft. Some draft names to start looking at. Maybe we'll start breaking down draft prospects. I need something. Uh, some names to start thinking about. Patrick Williams, Florida State, 6'8". Xavier Tillman, Michigan State, 6'9". Daniel Uderu, I think, Minnesota, 6'10". Devin Dotson, Kansas, 6'2". Terrell Terry, Stanford, 6'2". 6'2", small. Uh, kid out of Ch- Charleston, Grant Reller, I think it is. Josh Green, 6'5", Arizona. I mean, if I'm a Jazz, I'm looking for an athlete. But then, if you're drafting 20 and he's an athlete, he can't shoot. I promise you that. Because if he's an athlete, he can shoot. He's an all-star. R.J. Hampton is floating around at different spots. Chad Ford's done some interesting... uh, Chad Ford did a really two interesting podcasts recently on the Chad Ford NBA Draft Big Board that are worth grabbing if you're interested in the draft. Um, So... Episode nine, he did top international prospects with Fran Frischella. And then he did top analytical prospects yesterday. So they're both great, great shows. I mean, if you want to get caught up on the draft, you could start with episode three, which is the 2020 draft. Jump to episode seven more on the 2020 draft. Episode nine, episode 11. There's four of it. And he's done redrafts with John Hollinger on a bunch of years that are just great. And then had Bill Simmons on. So that show is like, fueling my draft knowledge right now. Uh, Chad Ford's NBA big board. But it's pretty interesting to see how this is all playing. But that last little element that I had not thought of, give Sam Vecine for the athletic credit for that, I had not thought about it at all. That to me is where things are a little different than I had thought about and will impact who ends up and how players and rosters are formed. This is where you better have really good European scouting. Richard Smith is in charge of the Jazz uh, European scouting. And so, you know, got to be on it. And you, there's no time to catch up on it now. But you got to almost, rather than the draft, we should all be going to watch old European basketball videos to be watching these guys to see what we can find in that regard. Because... That, to me, is where I think things are going to happen that get most interesting. Oh, be awfully, be awfully interesting uh, to see how this all plays out. It's all just a different world, right? From the, the Dolphins conversation about scouting to how rosters are going to be formed. I mean, it's just really, it's an incredible change in every aspect of all of our lives. And we just, you know, somehow are going to have to kind of get a hold of that and understand that that's what's that that's what's taking place here. Grip six is back. 
with all sorts of new products that are absolutely terrific. If you go to Grip6.com, you'll see them all. And they're, I, I love my Grip6 belt. I mean, I really, first of all, it's the only two belts I wear, my Grip6 belts. I have three buckles, two belts. I take advantage of the interchangeable. If you, The belts and buckles are interchangeable, so you can play around with different looks. They're great for golf also. Then you add in the aspect of uh, no flaps, no holes. They're just, they look great. Um, in fact, the box to my right right now is a box for Quinn because I've been wearing my Grip 6 belt and Quinn was like, when do I get mine? And I'm going to have to drop finally, you know, now that we're not all on lockdown as much, I'm going to have to finally drop it off to him and get him it. They've got all sorts of new, really cool looks going on right now. Uh, if you go to their page right now, their web belt, the Men's Ninja, is one of my favorites. I love that. Uh, but they also have got the new Pro Work Belt, a uh, little stronger for you. they got the two-pack builder. So you can get two belts of your choice. The Work Belt, a little bit uh, cool look to it. You'll see it right there. 20% off that package for you. They're all made in the U.S. They don't have shipping problems. They don't have to worry about, uh, so they'll get them to you. The new work belt is stronger. It's great for concealed carry. It's great for work belts. Uh, they also have the new lightweight version for you. It's a little bit more reduced. Check it all out. It's at grip6.com. Make sure you mention Locked On and Locked On Jazz as you check out. Greatest games in Utah Jazz history. This is probably top of the list of wins. Or maybe the Western Conference Finals game is the top of the list. It's the game four win by the Utah Jazz to tie the playoff series at two games apiece in the NBA Finals with the Chicago Bulls. And it's most historically known for the John Stockton Pass. But there's a lot more to it from the Stockton standpoint than simply the John Stockton pass. So the Jazz have lost game one in Chicago on the Michael Jordan game winner. They've lost game two, 97-85 in game two. They got hammered. Jordan at 38. They come back. Malone's unbelievable in game three. They win at 104-93. And this game is a slog. The final score of game four of June 8th, 1997 is 78-73. The pace of play in game four is 79 possessions. 79 possessions in the entire game. We play 105 now. It's the John Stockton pass to Carl Malone is the Jazz' first and only fast break point of the entire game. I mean, this is a slugfest, a sludge. This is just, ugh. It's incredible. Let's go to it. June 8th, 1997. Greatest games in Jazz history. Here's a little Marv, Bill, and Matty Gukas on the call. Now Stockton tries to get it all back with the three. John Stockton has an enormous 
another shot to bring the Jazz within two. George puts the move on Russell. forced a shot, and then inexplicably fouling John Stockton. At the line here this evening. Offense, defense, substitution for the Bulls. Two coaches Kerr in for Rodman and Harper. It's a one-point Chicago lead. Just under one minute remaining in the fourth quarter. Game four of the NBA Finals with the Bulls up two games to one. And Jordan comes up court. Stockton fires down on the line. Stockton with the three, Stockton with the steal, Stockton with the rebound and free throws, Stockton with the pass to Malone, John Stockton, unbelievable close to game four, the greatest moment of his career unquestionably as he just willed the Jazz to the win. They had a graphic up there that in the fourth quarter of that postseason, John Stockton was shooting an unthinkable 98% in free throws in fourth quarters. Here's some of the post-game interviews. All right, all right, thanks, Mark. John, this was a game simply of wills and who wanted it better, and you guys played so strong down this stretch. Well, we made some big plays, and uh, we got fortunate, really. Uh, Carl's even tip out at the end was a big play, so that's what we need. They're a great team. And you got a lot of confidence coming from out of game three, huh, going into this one? Uh, maybe. It's better than losing it. You don't know if you can win, but... We played well in that game. It carried over a little bit. Hopefully this can carry over to the next one. All right. You cannot say enough about John Stockton. He just absolutely refuses to let us lose. And for him to keep standing up like this, I mean, I'm so emotional right now, I don't even know how to express myself. I'll let it out. You know, the last three or four minutes belong to John Stockton. As Larry Miller said when he walked away from you a moment ago, he's grabbed me and he said, he just won't let us lose. He comes up with a steal from Jordan. He assists Malone. He hits big shots. He gets the free throws. And we win it. God bless John Stockton and the whole team. It's just the whole state of Utah is going crazy. So am I. I, I hey, I'm going crazy over there. I'm loving it. Pass was. There was Craig Bullerjack with Hot Rod Hunley. All of the fun about, uh, talk to all of it, the reactions. Uh, it's great, great stuff. Here's more. Uh, let's get some more Bowler, this time with Scotty Layden and then Alema with. Uh, with Jerry Sloan. What a great win. <laughs> but Stockton, he, you can see in his eyes in the three-minute mark, he was not going to let this team lose. Well, you know, he did it down in Houston, and, and someone in, in Houston forgot to tell him the game was over, and the same thing tonight. They forgot to tell him that, hey, the, the Bulls have already won this, and he comes back and makes big plays. The rebound and then the pass on the fast break. I mean, you talk about uh, monster plays. Now, great game, and you know that long pass, what was going through your head, the pass from Stockton to Malone? Well, when he threw it and I looked up, I said, oh, no. <laughs> but then after I saw it uh, go right over the top of Pippen's head and uh, looked like he almost got a piece of it. I, I haven't seen it on film or anything, but uh, then when I saw Carl just soften up and looked like he had it in his reach, it was, uh, it was, a, great, it was a great, great play. And for a In reality, the, the play that <clears throat> hurt us the most was uh, Stockton throwing in a three-pointer from about 28 feet. 
uh, that got them back in the ball game. We had all the momentum at that time, and uh, I don't know, three minutes, two minutes and a half to go in the ball game. He came up with a rather large shot. We went with a defensive lineup, and we were up uh, and stayed up for a little while. But that play got them back in the offensive end, thinking about their offensive game. I love Phil. He's just so condescending. Even there, it's like he threw it in. He's not about to go give him entire credit uh, to that. Uh, special credit to the YouTube account, Jazz Basketball One. If you've not already subscribed to Jazz Basketball One as a Jazz fan, they're great on YouTube. They have super stuff. I found this on the back end of one of their pieces today. and I, It's just so great. It's such a dated concept, but it's how they used to open broadcasts and do tributes. Oh, here's Mar- I think it's Marv Albert reading it. It's an NBC open to the NBA finals about Stockton and everything he's doing. And it's just not something we'd ever hear today. I think audio version of it's still pretty great. So here's this. John Stockton has spent his entire career waiting for this chance. Over the past two weeks, he has seized the moment like few others in NBA history. It was Stockton's shot that secured Utah's first ever trip to the finals, ending 17 years of frustration. But the euphoria over securing such an elusive goal was quickly dispelled in Chicago, where Michael Jordan's Bulls took a two-game series lead, as destiny seemed to dictate that a fifth title would soon be theirs. Then last Sunday night, with Jordan on the brink of giving Chicago a nearly insurmountable 3-1 advantage in the finals, Stockton stepped into Utah's huddle and declared that there must be a way to win the game. Stockton simply took over the game's final two and a half minutes. His enormous three wrested momentum away from the Bulls, cutting their lead to two. In rapid succession, Stockton stole the ball from the game's greatest player. And then, with Utah down by a point, Stockton rebounded Jordan's miss and found Carl Malone with a pass that will never be forgotten. To be sure, there were other heroes on a night when Utah drew even in the finals, but on this one Sunday in June, John Stockton refused to let his team lose, and in the process made it clear that the Jazz are a genuine threat to Chicago's fifth title plan. Tonight. So there it is. Great fun. Thanks again to Jazz Basketball 1 for the YouTube highlights of that. The Jazz Game 5 would be the flu game uh, in Salt Lake City. Uh, er, as the Jazz Game 4, probably one of the greatest wins of all time. Uh, the Jazz and the Bulls. What an era that was. All right. We are rolling through the greatest games in Jazz history. Tomorrow we'll have probably another Game 7 win for the Jazz. We'll go back in the torching of Yao Ming and the Houston Rockets. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. I mentioned Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. If you're interested in the draft, go grab those shows right now. They are just terrific. So tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Have a great one.